Over the past year, we've leveraged Vistaprint services to help us on our mission to inspire entrepreneurs of color. They've helped us print stickers, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats. Yes, they print just about everything. My point is, they print a lot more than just business cards. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com. If it's something that you've said yes to, from my experience, I just, I fight for what I believe in. Mm -hmm. And all of those people you named will tell you exactly <laughs> that. But um, I put myself in these situations and I always go into them and think, if this were my son or my daughter or any of the youth, is this system, is this company built to market them in a way that, you know, keeps the integrity of who they are and their work? Um, is this a situation where they're just being put at the forefront because they're a black or brown face and it's the cool thing to do right now? You know, I always ask myself those questions and um, if it doesn't feel like it's in place, then I push for it. And this is the Claim of Stories podcast, a show about creatives and entrepreneurs of color and how they were able to build their own tables by turning their hobbies, side hustles, and ideas into thriving small businesses. I'm Bima, and on today's show, recorded live in New Orleans, Louisiana, at our Storytellers event in partnership with Vista, we speak to contemporary visual artist Christina Martinez. Raised as an only child by her teenage mom in Tacoma, Washington, where she grew up with her Mexican side of the family. As a child, her mother would work long hours to pay the bills, sometimes 12-hour days, leaving a young Christina to watch PBS. Seeing Bob Ross paint his happy trees was her first time seeing a creative career, Though it felt out of reach, it was forever imprinted in her brain. Due to extremely tight budgets at home, Christina would get really creative resourcing art supplies. From crafting with her lasagna to painting on her grandmother's walls, nothing was safe. After returning home with two kids, she struggled between creating art and creating a stable life for her family while working a nine to five. With a lot of internal debate, she took the leap of faith and quit her job in pursuit of her true calling as an artist. In our conversation ahead, Christina shares a story about being nurtured as an artist from a young age. My mom had me at 15, and I always tell people, like, you can be shaped by, you know, the challenges that you face mm. and the hard things you go through, or you can choose to, you know, focus on some of the things that, like, really molded you, and for mm. me, you know, we definitely struggled having a 15-year-old mom who was still very much in school and she raised me by herself. You know, we had very hard times, but what I remember from my childhood was just seeing my mom take like her biggest challenge in life and and let it push her. Like mm. she continued to push and push and push and she worked very, very hard. And I feel like that part of my childhood is really what stuck with me the most and allowed me to do some of the things that I've been able to make happen. And 
as far as being in a very white neighborhood um, and just a city in general. The city, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly and it rains it's something a lot. that I'm still, I'm still getting used to. I think as you grow older and you become more aware of who you are and your identity and and you have experiences in life and feel the way the world treats you and sees you, um, you know, I'm still learning how to be comfortable mm. in that environment. And there's things that I love about the Pacific Northwest, but it's it's lonely sometimes. sometimes I'm sure I know you. No, you're yeah, close. we. You know, we. I. You know, grew up here. 26 yeah. years. Um, I know everybody acts like I. I don't because I don't have the accent, but <laughs> I did. Y'all can ask around. <laughs> uh, but then you know, went to Boston and then went over to Portland. And when I got to Portland, uh, you know, I was chasing the, the sneaker dream, right? I was right. I was in that kind of tunnel vision. And when you're kind of in that tunnel vision, you don't think about everything else that comes with where you're going. You're just yeah. trying to get to the goal. And upon arriving is when I realized I was like, yo, this is like, there's no one else here that no. really looks like me. And it's, <laughs> no. it's kind of weird. It's different. Right? It's, it's really different. different. Um, but I, we try to travel and get around so you can get those different. For you, though, when you were, were growing up, how did you get different exposure? Was it just purely from like family? Like, how are you, mm -hmm. you know, seeing other people that look like you? And then also, you know, you have two different heritages, right? Right. It was really, um, it was really from my family. I, I was raised um, mostly by the Mexican side of my family. And so, um, you know, I have. 45 cousins. And <laughs> Me too. We, <laughs> Me too. We, um, Raise your hand. I see y'all. <laughs> yeah, we really, I mean, <laughs> we had, we were together all the time and um, we still are together all the time. And that was my experience. And that's what I do with my kids. I mm -hmm. make sure that my kids are surrounded by family all the time. And, you know, we kind of create our own community and there's enough of us. So, <laughs> um, yeah, my family is what really kept me grounded and really made me aware of who I was and my identity and my culture. I love it. Yeah. So at a young age, you were, you know, kind of gravitating towards art and expressing yourself mm -hmm. through drawing or, or making different things. Um, and I, I think I read that you would spend time watching Bob Ross, the painter on, on I TV. Did. <laughs> I did. How in the world did you get introduced to Bob Ross? So my mom, um, having me at 15, she had no babysitter, which this would never fly now, but I, she would go to work from 6 to 2 p.m. and come pick me up from school, take me back home, and then she would go to work from 4 until midnight. Ooh. So I was, I mean, from the time I was like 7 years old, I was by myself all wow. the time, and I'm an only child. So wow. TV was really all I had, and books I loved to read, but we didn't have all the channels. We had some channels. <laughs> and Bob They don't Rock, remember that. They don't remember yeah. when TV went off. <laughs> and, Bob Ross was one. We had PBS, and it was my first time seeing someone doing something creative as their profession, mm. and and it stuck with me. And I remember seeing him on the TV and and watching him paint, and just thinking like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, this is what he does. He's on TV. He gets paid. But <laughs> for me, being black and Mexican and seven at home by myself. It just seemed very far away. You know, he was an older white man, and mm -hmm. it, it didn't feel like something I could ever really do, but it was my first experience with seeing someone with, like, a creative profession. Profession, right. And it never left me. 
That's crazy. Yeah. Like at, at that age to like see something uh, where it's kind of like maybe a little out of reach because to the point Definitely. that you mentioned, right? But it's also enlightening to say like to your point you were like oh you get paid to do this yeah and it's and it's it's in my mind now because I remember how I felt in that moment to where like now for me the youth and that feeling that I had as a kid is always at the front of my mind because I want kids now to feel like they can do that you know mm -hmm. it felt so out of reach and that part was really present in my mind and um you know so I kind of let that motivate me to just keep trying to put myself out there and allowing my kids and other kids everywhere to see a different perspective totally possible totally did you have anyone else in your family that was creative and that you would consider an artist that kind of understood what you know maybe you were coming from at a young age or was it just more so like support of, of just you being creative it was more so support. I think even growing up, I didn't realize fully that I was creative. I knew that I was at home alone all the time. I knew that I liked to draw on things <laughs> and doodle, but I never fully understood it. I just knew that it was a place of comfort for me. Mm. I mean, my mom likes to crochet, so I always tell her like, you are creative, see? <laughs> but other than that, it really was, I, ha I come from a family of very hardworking women that like clocked in, clocked out, clocked in again, you know, and just really focused on raising us. And um, they worked very hard. But m most of the my creative experience came from me just experimenting. Experimenting. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, when you think about art, supplies are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you got they brushes, are. you got canvases, <laughs> you got paint, you got all these different things. What were you using as a kid? Like, <laughs> did you actually have like <laughs> I remember one of my first like masterpieces that I made um, was on a lasagna noodle and <laughs> I had used my mom's nail polish and like <laughs> tried to do what Bob Ross was doing I had made like a full-blown landscape on this lasagna noodle and wow. it was like one of the greatest feelings for me I got it out it felt so good um, but we didn't have canvases and paint and things like that um, laying around the house at all. We barely had food, you know? So it was kind of yeah. like, I used whatever was there and and it allowed me to understand that I wanted to create. Mm. I knew that, you know, mm -hmm. I knew that very early. And I remember in, I think it was in third grade, I had got my first art set that had like pastels and watercolors mm. and paper. And I was like, oh, it's it's over it's now. Over. I, can, like, I can do anything now. He's like, I got it. Y'all better watch yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I would draw on the walls like from a very young age. Um, and I remember I would always tell my mom, young, I would say, you can tell people I started and I was drawing on your walls. Like when I blow up someday, <laughs> she always brings that up. You already had the yeah, PR spin. Yeah, I, I saw it, yeah. <laughs> did you get in trouble for painting on the walls? I definitely did, definitely. <laughs> Especially like the few times we had to move back into my grandma's house and it, it didn't fly over there. Like, well, <laughs> man, you need to tell Christina to stop painting on my yeah. walls. <laughs> now, as you started to get older and thinking about like maybe what you we're going to go into for school and, and things like that. Did you know that you wanted to be an artist and you were going to go to school for art? Like, what what was the path that you were on? No, I mean, originally I went to school in Vegas. I went to UNLV. Mm. And I, you know, I'm like, I'm in Vegas. There's hotels here. I studied hospitality. I tried to do all the right things. But it was like in all my quiet moments, I was always drawn to create. It never went away. It was mm. always there. 
And so in my fourth year of school in Vegas, I remember I called my mom and I was just like, this isn't it. I'm not supposed to be here. And Ooh. I went, ended up going to fashion school. And that wasn't oh, you it went either. To two schools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I was barely trying to finish the first one. I but know. I, uh... That wasn't it. Fashion school wasn't it either. But it took those experiences for me to really find what I was passionate about. And, you know, once I did, you know, I never, never looked back. What feelings came up for you when you were in those moments? Like, right? Like, Sometimes we can spend our whole life just doing something because it pays the bills or, Definitely. you know, it, it makes our friends and family happy. Where where were you where you're like, yo, I'm not doing this? I mean, I, I, I'm definitely guilty of that. Like, I think that a lot of times we get into these spaces where we just go with the flow of life and you don't really stop and, like, take those moments with yourself to, like, ask yourself like is this what I'm supposed to be doing and to be really really intentional with like your next move I um fortunately have a very loud inner voice that those quiet moments have been forced on me my whole life and I've always been able to hear them and I recognized at UNLV like I'm just here doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing but then I go home and all I want to do is draw and all I want to do is paint and even in fashion school it's like I'm illustrating my garments that I'm supposed to be sewing, but then it's like, by the time it was time to sew them, I didn't want to do that part. Like my illustration had a whole life story and, a, and fears and dreams and goals. And like wow. this woman was like a person to me. And so that's where I realized that what I really wanted to do was tell my story through art and through painting and mm. illustration. And, I love that. Yeah. I love that a lot. It took a lot to get it there. A lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> still still paying that. But it was worth it. it I mean, a lot of times you got to think about your, your well-being. And sometimes, I mean, a lot of times your well-being is not just money, right? Yeah. There's a lot of the contributing factors to that. So we, we, we've established that, you know, the school thing, fashion didn't work out. So what did you do after that? Did you immediately, were you immediately a, you know, a presenting artist? Like, what did, what did you do? No, so um, when I was in fashion school, I had already had my son, who was maybe two at the time. And, you know, I was still living my life. And um, I ended up taking some time and moving back home. And by that time, I had my son and my daughter. And I moved back home. And I just wanted a fresh start. I was like, I know that it's art that I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to just figure mm -hmm. this out and start over. And I started working a regular job. Um, I worked at a radiology clinic. <laughs> people would call. You loved it. Yeah, people would call and schedule MRIs for body parts that I didn't even know what they were talking about. It was <laughs> <on schedule. laughs> but um, it was in that time of like stepping back and starting over and you know, living like a normal life mm. that I realized I, I can never do this. This isn't what I'm supposed to do. Wow. And, and I didn't. And you didn't. <laughs> yeah. So what would you do as you're you're in this like this, this job that you hated? So I, I mean, I have a it wasn't a radiology spot, yeah. but it was uh, I was working at this data entry gig. And I was just ex same thing. My, my, yeah. my team knows yeah. me and Excel sheets are it's a challenge for me. It's yeah. a challenge, but I'm working on it, y'all. I'm really working on it. <laughs> but, you know, you're in this space and you're you're young, but you also have responsibilities, mm -hmm. right? You, you have two kids. What is the journey that you start to go on after kind of establishing that this is not it? I can't do this. 
I mean, while I was working there, one of the biggest things that came from that job was I, I had like this huge stack of post-it notes that sat on my desk and every day I would go in there and I, I hated it. I knew I wasn't <laughs> supposed to be there. And I would illustrate something that represented my emotion for that day. Cool. So like by the time I, I think I worked there for almost two years and by the time I left, I had like, if you open my drawer, there was like 700 post-it notes in there. <laughs> And with all these drawings on them, but I just slowly started to really put my mind in a space where I was able, I, I knew I needed to take a risk and to make that jump. And the thing that kept me there the longest was, you know, I had my two kids and I just kept thinking like, do I make them sacrifice also? Do I put them in an unstable situation for the sake of me following my dreams? But what I really believe and what I've learned and what life has shown me is that when you align with your passion and you truly do what you're supposed to do, those things take care of themselves. They really do. And once I was able to give myself the time and the space to like really lock in with my art, those fears started to go away because I'm living in my purpose. And so as that starts to shift, how do you start to get more confident in perhaps leaving that mm -hmm. job? Yeah, I mean, it just, it, it it took time, but it was just one of those things that I knew, I, I just knew I didn't belong there. So mm -hmm. it's like, how how long can you continue, you know? Yeah. And, and it was hard and we struggled. We definitely had hard times, but, um, you know, I, I believed in myself mm -hmm. enough to to keep going and to make it happen and also i believe i always tell people this i really believe in having that if you have it all figured out and you have all your money saved up and you're able to take a risk it's very different than like having that thirst and that hunger of like it has to work mm -hmm. like i have to make you're this in survival work. mode yeah and that really was a big part of why things started to happen. I had no choice. Like I, it wow. was going to work. It no was going what. to work <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there was no other option. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That really you. is. Uh, one of the, you know, you have a lot of different influences and a lot of different representations um, when you approach your paintings and your art. Um, there's a particular thing that you're, bit more known for is the the water me the mm -hmm. water me flower and that came from that time yep. yeah uh tell me how what like where did that come from and how did that start to make these appearances in your work it that flower face was just it started as a self-portrait it was a post-it note at that job <laughs> and it just evolved and it was one of those pieces that I created that I thought you know no one's gonna understand this like this is something that's like because some of the faces have no petals. Some of them look very dark. And so I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to keep this to myself for a while. And I did. And I sat on it. And then I remember when I finally shared it, just seeing people connect to it and be able to relate to those feelings and those emotions that I was feeling, um, it it just was something that clicked for me where I really, that's been like a driving force in like my work and being open to sharing my work and putting myself out there more. And I think now there's like, I don't know, hundreds of people that have it tattooed. I see it all the time. I think it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that was a big, that was a big moment for me. Yeah. How did you get comfortable with sharing your work? Like at what point did you 
think it was ready? Was there someone that like someone came and like just took a photo over your shoulder and shared it? Like no. how did it get out there? No, I think it just was like a natural. I started to get more and more comfortable. And like I said, I think when you realize that like the world is we all want these same things. Like we want to feel seen and understood and we want to feel like we can all relate to each other. It makes the world feel a little bit smaller. And I think the more that I put myself out there and was able to receive that from other people, mm -hmm. it just made it made it more comfortable. It made me feel better about it. And and the beautiful thing that I, about just social media or sharing your art in general for me is like I still get to have like a vulnerable moment with just me and my art. I still get to have those moments where it's like me and my work and then you get to put it out there and like mm -hmm. you get to see immediately how it makes people feel. And that really inspires me, that whole process. That whole process. Yeah. It, I mean, it's the ability to be able to communicate in real time, Definitely. right? And like, I'm sure a lot of people are probably, you know, expressive to you of like how it makes them feel, yeah. right? And and. You know, sometimes you're probably like, maybe share too much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll make something with this whole idea in mind and then it'll mean something totally different to somebody else, which is amazing. You yeah. know, for me it's like my job is to create it and then you your job is to interpret it and to let it make you feel how you feel. How you feel. Yeah. Absolutely. Um Talk to me about the pricing part, <laughs> right? Because favorite. I think whether it is you you have a freelance business and you're yeah. trying to figure out what, what to charge, whether you have a product, a t-shirt, and you want to price it, and you have art, um, how did you start to get comfortable and confident in yeah. what you were going to say your, 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 your art was worth? And then how long did you wait, you know, until yeah. someone purchased it? I mean... That, that part is still hard for me, I'm not going to lie. But one thing I made a promise to myself when I first quit my job is that I was going to put my value where I saw it, where I felt it needed to be, and I wasn't going to back down, no matter how long it took. Mm. And it took a little while. Yeah. And I was going to price my paintings where I thought that they should be. And, you know, no matter how long it took, I would, you know, as time went on, I would raise my price, but I did, I did not want to ever lower. I didn't want to do that to myself. So I really, um, I really thought about it. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta believe in where you're going. Mm -hmm. And, and I kept that mentality when I priced my work and I just never backed down. And like I said, it did take a little bit, especially in the beginning. <laughs> it was like, okay, well maybe we can have like a Christmas sale or something, <laughs> you know, but but all it takes is one person. Once you sell one painting, then you can say, like, I sold this piece for this, and that's mm. what it was worth. So, mm. like, you know, you just continue to go. It's really just a, a process of believing and and not backing down. And not backing down. It, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is time and place. Yeah. Time and place. Just because you're ready doesn't always mean the market is ready Definitely. yet. Right? But sometimes it's just withstanding, holding out. And that moment is, is going to arrive. Also, the part I also try to harp on is like, you also have to be good. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is you true. You can't, you can't go 10 years talking about some man, it still yeah. ain't sold. I don't know what's you wrong with them. You got to be honest with yourself, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think you also have to have honest people around you too. Definitely, you that's gotta have important. That people that you're going to listen to, yep. right? Like sometimes you can't, yes, you, you, you have to have the confidence, but you also have to be humble enough to, 
to deal with feedback. Exactly. Right? Because it's not always going to be, you're great. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. And just know when to listen and when not to. Because mm. you don't always, you shouldn't always listen to that either. Yeah, right? You gotta. Sometimes it's like, I heard you, but I'm going to yeah. continue to do, do this. Still my price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, a lot, of, a, a lot of your journey with art had also been, you know, expression and maybe coping mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, um, your way of dealing with mental health. How did you deal with your art then becoming your way of your income? That's probably one of the things that I wish I would have, somebody would have mentioned it to me or I would have just had the knowledge or been more aware of it when I decided to quit my job. That I think was one of my biggest struggles is like when you turn to something for so long just to stay sane and have Mm -hmm. peace and feel good and happy, it's hard to then understand that that's now also your means for survival Mm. and to put a value on that is really difficult and I think it's just it's just a mental space that I go into when I make my art even if I'm making it knowing like we have bills to pay and there's things to do I try not to even think about that because I think the more authentic you are with what you're creating and what you're putting out there um you know, that that will get taken It'll care come. of. You have to just keep going. And so it's it's something that, like, in the beginning, I was just like, oh, gosh, like, I have to pay my bills, and this <laughs> also just saved me from being depressed. Like, how do I make this work? But, um, yeah, I, I try not to think about it. I try to really separate the two and just make authentic work and then use that to pay my bills. To pay your bills. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, you... You spark something that used to drive me crazy. It doesn't drive me as crazy now, but it did drive me crazy when the advice would always be, you know, don't don't chase the money. Yeah. Right. It's like it's counterintuitive. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I, but that's what I want. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, the advice would be, no, you you need to focus on what you're creating, mm-hmm. and then the 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 money will come. Definitely. It always is true. <laughs> it is. It, but like, I, if I think about it, times where I'm like, okay, if I make this and I sell it for this much, then I can do this. It never works. It's it like, works. I just need to just create and yeah. then it will sell. When we return, Christina's work starts to blossom. What's up, Claim of Stories fam? If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of Vistaprint, right? I mean, we've been doing a lot of incredible work together to inspire entrepreneurs of color. So we hope you're paying attention. Now, when it comes to printing things, and I mean just about anything for your business, whether it's stickers, T-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats, Vistaprint's got you. They print just about everything. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to the Claim of Stories podcast. Christina's artwork is moving and inspiring, even when catching the eye of corporate spaces. Now, how many, you know, in a year, if you think about it, you may not think about it that way. Like, how many pieces are you are you creating? And are you going to your studio? Are you, are, you know, do you have a studio? Or are you mm-hmm. at your house? Like, how's yeah, that work? I have a studio um, downtown Seattle, but I, I also... 
I, you know, like I said, I have my two kids. I travel a lot. I, I kind of will create a studio no matter where I go. <laughs> Even just walking around today, I'm like, I need a sketchbook. But um, I do. I go to the studio. I I, I couldn't even tell you. I don't know. I paint. Yeah, I he's create, constantly yeah, creating. It's, it's, it's just, never. You can't turn it off. Really, it's just who I am now. So I don't even really think about it. I know that me and my partner, we did two shows in the last two years, and I think our first show we showed forty-four pieces, and then our second show was like maybe thirty pieces. Yeah. So, yeah, we we you, you be working. We paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think you know. Do you consider yourself? A, a business? What do you or do you still identify as a as a creative that has um, a business I see component? myself as a business now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, it's something that I didn't I didn't go into this thinking that I was starting a business. I just kind of went into it sharing my artwork, and then I just learned how to run a business in the process. But um, yeah, now I would say yeah. I see myself. You as see a business. yourself. Um, and, and I think in addition to that, you've, you've started to do these brand partnerships, mm-hmm. um, you know, these art and, and, you know, partnerships with folks like Uggs and, and Nordstrom's yeah. um, and even World Trade Center, right? Uh, how do you maintain your authentic voice when partnering with these corporations? I think the first thing um, is knowing what to say yes to just from the beginning. If it feels like you have to go to outside of yourself to make it happen, or if it's something that um, it's just not what you do at all and you don't want to know how mm-hmm. to do it, then you know, know when to say no and don't be afraid to say no. Um, once you're in those situations, if it's something that you've said yes to, from my experience, I just, I fight for what I believe in. Mm-hmm. and. All of those people you named will tell you exactly <laughs> that. But um, I put myself in these situations, and I always go into them and think, if this were my son or my daughter or any of the youth, is this system, is this company built to market them in a way that hmm. you know keeps the integrity of who they are and their work? Um, is this a situation where they're just being put at the forefront because they're a black or brown face and it's the cool thing to do right now. You know, I always ask myself those questions and um, if it doesn't feel like it's in place, then I push for it. Hmm. And it's it can get you a reputation. <laughs> um, it can get very difficult. And sometimes it's hard to be that person that has to um, go into these spaces and make them aware of um, where they lack when it comes to working with people like us. Totally. Um, but it's important, and I, I, it's always worth it. You raise a good point, because at the end of the day, that brand might go on and do whatever they're going to do, and then what is what is your audience, the folks that love you for genuinely who you are and what you create, what do they then think if you do something that's ingenuine? Exactly, and they can feel it. I feel like... You know, for me, it's like what I put out there is such a reflection of me and and my life and my thoughts and my emotions. If it's far off, if it's not real, they feel it and they don't connect to it. And I think that that's important when you go into these brands for them to understand that that has to be there for Mm. things to sell. You know, Mm. it's like you be authentic first and then and then the product will sell. And then it'll sell. Right. It it doesn't operate the other way around. You can't pour something onto it. Right. Like that story has to be authentic from the moment that y'all come together. Right. 100%. And so do you ever like 
I think you probably go into these conversations like you've already you're already okay with walking away. It, always. Yeah, mm. I think you have to be. And you really learn to stand in your power when you are in a place and you can say no to things. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to. And sometimes some of these opportunities I've learned for myself, sometimes what you take from them is that maybe that's not what you want for yourself and your work. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you thought, oh, I want to just sell all kinds of stuff and at this level, and then you do it and you're like, no, I actually like it to be really limited and really intimate and that's okay. And mm-hmm. I've learned that like do my best in every experience, but then like take what I take from it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's learning that it's not for me. Yeah. Every, everything is not for everyone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got to just be who you are. Yeah. And, and, I think that um, that's been the most, that's been the thing that's helped me the most is just like trying to just put myself in a place where I can be as authentic as possible and not have to be anything that I'm not. Yeah, I think you do that really, really well. Thank you. <laughs> um, what does let the simple things make you happy mean to you? That's actually something that my mom said to me the day that she came home and I had made masterpieces on lasagna noodles <laughs> and um I've I've kept that with me just because I remember how I felt that day and just knowing that I had the urgency to create something in my heart and I was able to get it out with whatever I had and I I try to keep that with me now I mean some of my favorite pieces that I've made have been like with my daughter's art supplies and um I think if you just can find happiness and joy in in just normal small things you will live a much happier life <laughs> i you know I've, I've i've been saying a lot of this lately but I, i'm like if it's if it's not simple if i can't simply communicate it if we can't simply do it then nine times out of ten we shouldn't be doing it definitely right that's very true a lot of times i think that you get people get these narratives that it should be overly complicated and i'm like no actually i don't think it's yeah. supposed to work that way exactly when people ask me about my creative process i'm like i just i get a piece of paper and i just start going like it doesn't have to be this whole thing you know yeah i think simple is the way is the way, is the way to go um, now, one thing that's really kind of been a dominant conversation in the art world, um, I would say over the past 12 months, is this conversation around NFTs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as an artist like yourself, who's very hands-on, very tangible, what do you think about this conversation? And do you participate in in, in that world? Like, what do you think? Um, I personally have not participated in the NFT world just because I, I just, I honestly don't. I just don't know how I feel about it. I don't have enough um, pulling me towards that direction. Yeah. I really love how I feel in my studio with, you know, paintbrushes and sketchbooks and like that hands-on feeling feels really, really good for me. And so, you know, if it if I ever if it feels authentic, I'll go in that direction. But right now it hasn't. Yeah. I support people that do. I think it's, you know, I've seen some really cool NFTs, but I just, I haven't tapped into it myself. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. I had to ask because I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I ask a, a lot of different people who are musicians and photographers. I'm just curious, you know, I personally, I don't understand the space. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't either. <laughs> I really don't. Um, but I'm definitely open to to learning. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to, I, I definitely believe in the blockchain and that technology. And I'm curious to just see, you know, where, where all of that goes. 
Um, the, the, the last question I want to ask you tonight, and it's, a, it's one of those questions um, I always ask, but it's, but it's around like when you think about folks that want to go down this path mm-hmm. of, of being artists and also thinking about your art becoming your income, um, what advice would you have for, for folks in the audience tonight? I think, um, you know, if you're creative or if you feel an urgency inside of yourself to put something out there, to create something or to make it happen, I think the most important thing is just to do that. Like, Hmm. people, I think, are afraid. It's hard to get vulnerable with, like, something you're passionate about. And I think you have to just do it. You have to do it when you're scared. You have to do it when you're not inspired. Hmm. You have to do it when you're really inspired. I think it's important to just create by any means. Um, Try not to look too much at the person next to you. Everybody's journey is different. Everybody's experience is different. Um, And just just do it. There's no, there's never, it's like having a kid. There's never a time that's like, (laughs) this is a great time to have a baby. You know, it's like, there just doesn't exist. So it's like, it might never feel like, now I need to go for it. I think if you just do it, it just... It just starts to happen. You shared so many gems in that statement. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like the the whole thing around creating when you're not inspired, because I think a lot of times folks get caught up and they're like, Christina's just always creating. She no. must be like, love it all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, you're human. You have to go through these these blockages, yeah. and you might go through points where you're like, I don't feel like doing this today. Definitely. You should know what your art looks like or what your work looks like when you're not inspired. You should know what it looks like mm. when you don't have motivation. Just just keep doing it. I mean, yep. that's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. Yeah. And then that other part that you, you talked about was not looking to see what other people were doing. Yeah. How important is that to you as an artist, right? Like, do you, in that, obviously you are fans of other art though, yeah? Definitely, yeah. Like, um, so what does it mean art. when you're like, to not look at other artists? I think, I definitely look at other artists' art. I mean, I, I love art, I collect art, I support other artists it's it's like their journeys you mm. know everybody's journey is different so one person might use this kind of paint another person it's like you have to experiment you have to figure those things out you have to you have to walk your journey to understand like what your path is and i think sometimes especially nowadays with social media it's very easy to look at the person next to you and like well they're what they have going on looks like this and that's what i should be doing but as much as you can, like I try to block mm-hmm. that out for your mental health and for the integrity of your work. You yeah. know, just just do what you're supposed to do. Right, because you're uniquely here for your point of view. I don't want to see yes. you doing someone else's when I'm like, I want to see Christina's unique perspective, yeah. what you offer. Right, it's the best way to find your purpose and to really figure out what you are supposed to be doing. Wow. That was Christina Martinez, an artist who wants to water the world. Find out more about Christina and get access to all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave us a review. Stay up to date with our latest news through following us on Instagram at Stories, or you can reach out with a message at hello at ClaimaStories.com. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fergozo, Perpy Patel, Natalie Yazzie, Jericho Trim, and the team over at MarketBox. Original music provided by Adrian Anaya and vocals provided by Rosella. Special thanks to Jordan Dinwiddie, Cena Clark, Clint Blaine, and Damian Mitchell. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to the Claim of Stories podcast, powered by Vista. <laughs>